focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. Alright, welcome out there. It is our episode 7, week 6, review, week 7, preview. You are listening to Processing College Football, the college football podcast designed to educate and entertain. I'm your host, Jason Randazza, and with me from Princeton, New Jersey, is Mark Catlin. Mark, how are you doing over there? Oh, it's great in the dirty jars, man. It's right. it's really, really good. Excited about this week. I am as well. So, as I said, this is our Week 7 podcast, and this is designed to educate and entertain. So, as far as educating is concerned, if you have questions you want us to answer, topics you want us to discuss, or terms you want us to define, send them in. You can reach us on Twitter at ProcessingCFB, or email us at ProcessingCollegeFootball at gmail.com. We do have some things to process. We have one big thing to process, and it is the onside kick. So this came mm. up actually in a couple games over the weekend, but the one where you and I were discussing it, Mark, was the Alabama game. So we're going to review that show in or that game in a minute here, but uh, at the end, Texas A&M was kind of coming close, I suppose, and so... At the end of the game, they attempted an onside kick. Alabama recovered it, kneeled on the ball, and that that was the game. But basically, my question is, what are the rules surrounding an onside kick? I was going to embarrass myself, but you and I talked beforehand <laughs> about the difference between uh, a, a kickoff and a punt, because they have very different rules, but we're not going to get into the details of the punt exactly we're actually just going to talk about onside kick so can you just kind of review the rules there sure i mean there's some detailed rules but uh, the number one thing and this is actually the big difference between the kickoff and the punt is that the kickoff after the ball goes 10 yards the ball is live for anybody to pick up and run whatever direction they want to and so when you see like the receiving team, they'll line up usually 10 yards from where the ball is being kicked. That's because if the team tries a, an onside kick, they need to be right there to, to get it so the other team can't. And so um, the thing with the onside kick is because that kick is live after 10 yards, the kicking team is trying to get it to go 10 yards and then get the ball so they can retain possession and not have to give the possession over. So you see it a lot of times, like in the Texas A&M game. Mm-hmm. They're coming back. That's the end of the game. If they kick it off to Alabama normally, they're going to lose because time will run out. And so they want to get possession back. And so the thing about the ball being live is if they kick it 10 yards and then they get it, then they get the ball back and they can retain possession and be on offense and try to score again. Um, And so that's the big thing. And they cannot touch the ball. So the thing with the ball being live is Texas A&M, when they kick it, the kicking team can't touch the ball until it goes 10 yards. Now, the reason that's important is if it were live the whole time after one yard, the kicking team would just barely touch the ball and then recover it and they retain possession, right? So the 10-yard rule is there for that reason, and then it's kind of up for grabs as to as to who gets it. This doesn't obviously stop people from attempting to exploit it anyway, as we saw in the Alabama-Clemson National Championship a couple of years back. Um, I, was just, I was just telling you uh, before the show that I routinely like to watch that play just because it makes me happy. Um, but <laughs> I'll be honest, you know, I didn't really understand the rule. So it was a, a bit like, you know, Christmas when you're three years old, you don't really understand what's happening, but you know, on some level it makes you happy. So that that's kind of how I regarded that. Kick. Well, yeah. Well, and that, I mean, that's one of the more amazing onside kicks. It's not a normal onside kick. It's almost a pooch kick where you yeah. kick it short into kind of a gap in the, on the receiving team's blocking scheme. And so when he did that, yeah, Marlon Humphrey can just run under the ball and catch it because it's gone 10 yards. So he has the right to that ball just like Clemson does. And so it completely caught Clemson off guard. And I think even Dabo Swinney on the sideline was going nuts because Marlon touched it first. And it's like, well, 
that's those are the rules, man. You just had a gap in in your blocking scheme, and so yeah, he could catch it because it had gone ten yards. I mean, he could have run it in the end zone. And actually, if you go back and watch the Texas A and M game and their onside kick, Minka didn't he didn't kneel down. He actually took off running with it. I mean, it came it came right to him, and he went across the field down the sideline. He was trying to return it for a touchdown. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I mean, it's it's up for grabs after ten yards. You can do whatever you want to with it. So. All right, good to know. Uh, that will make more sense to me as I continue to watch football. So another thing we're going to, not exactly process, but that we previewed last week that we were going to do at the top of this show was ranking the Power 5 conferences. So the reason we're looking to do this is because the SEC, as we've mentioned many times before in our show, is having a really down year, and there's a pretty good argument to be made that they're usually the most stacked conference, despite having Missouri in it. This year, if you make that argument, you're you're probably joking. So I was looking at the conferences, Mark, and I think if you take the top three teams from each conference, the SEC can still compete with anyone. Uh, it's the next tier below that top three that you start to have a significant drop-off that you might not have had before. So the SEC, you know, has a clear top three. Alabama, Georgia, Auburn... I would say in that order, and I would say they're as good, if not better, than any of the other top three, but then if you start to consider the next tier below that, I was looking at this, who who would be on that next tier? I, I have to think that the like, fourth place team would probably be Texas A&M, and you know, Texas A&M is this same team that lost an easily winnable game to UCLA, as you discussed in the first week, uh, struggled with Nichols, had to take... Arkansas, not a good team, into overtime to beat them. So that's our, our fourth-ranked team. So here's my rankings, and uh, I'm interested to know kind of what your methodology was when considering this and, and how our lists differ. So number one conference, right now, as things stand, I put the ACC in the top. Then I had the Pac-12. Then I had the SEC. Then Big Ten, then Big 12. Are we similar at all? Well, I'll, t- I'll tell a little bit of my... My methodology more so, and then I'll get to it. So if you go, if you're just looking at the top teams, mm-hmm. then you can make the argument maybe that the SEC is even the best conference given the very top. There's not, I don't know, really another conference that has the combination of Alabama and Georgia at mm-hmm. the top. Not just considering rankings, but also just considering watching those teams and what they do. I think Alabama and Georgia is kind of the best combo that you have at the top, and then Auburn come there at ten. But I think you're right. That then when you look at you know the rest the, the next best team probably is Texas A and M Bama Georgia Auburn then Texas A and M and that's a little shocking you know uh, but they played Alabama well Alabama made a lot of mistakes we'll get to that in a second but I think there's definitely in the rest of the conferences a better middle group mm-hmm. uh, if you look at the ACC there's Clemson and Miami and then there's a lot of kind of just pretty good teams there in the middle mm-hmm. uh, same thing with the Pac-12 same thing with the Big Ten. Uh, the Big 12 doesn't really have that top team anymore. Um, no, they and, don't. We'll get to other, that. other than TCU, but you know, they don't really have that top team anymore, and then they have a really bad bottom half. Kansas and Baylor are just atrocious, and so that kind of tanks them in my book. If you take into consideration all the teams in the conference when you're ranking a conference, and so this is really, really close, and I did a bunch of looking at this, but I actually have, I think right now, when you look at the conference as a whole, I think the Pac-12 might be the top conference. Okay. So you're saying, taking the whole conference into consideration, you think the Pac-12 is the strongest? Yeah, and it's not that they have any really great teams. I say the Washington and Washington State are at the top, Uh good football teams, Washington State, BUSC. Washington hasn't played anybody yet, so that's a question mark. Sure. But then you go on down the line, you got USC, Oregon's not a bad team, mm-hmm. uh, Stanford's not terrible, Utah apparently isn't that terrible, I know. they barely beat BYU, it's a, it's a rivalry. And so you have all these teams that are just kind of, they're, they're pretty good, they're not terrible, then they, then they have Cal. Um, sure. <laughs> so I got Pac-12 at the top, Okay. and then I actually have, after that, in a very close race, the Big Ten from top really? to bottom, 
the worst team in the Big Ten, obviously being, I think, Rutgers. They kind of tanked the whole thing. But the Big Ten, this is one of those things where the Big Ten doesn't have a top, top team. Mm -hmm. But as far as the conference as a whole, they got a lot of pretty good teams. Mm -hmm. You got got Penn State, maybe you could argue they're a top, top team. But then Ohio State and Michigan, they're not – I mean, Ohio State's not terrible. Michigan's not terrible. Michigan State really isn't that terrible. Michigan-Michigan State game, the rain made that kind of crazy. Sure. But when you look at it from, from top to bottom, Iowa's not a terrible team. Purdue's not a terrible team. They're just very solid in the middle, and I think that brings them up. So, so we have I, Pac-12, then Big Ten. So yep. my issue with the Big Ten and ranking it that high was that I feel like, like you said, I don't feel like their top teams – are really on the same caliber as the ACC, the SEC top teams, uh, or even the Pac-12. I I almost think if you compare, you know, Michigan, even Ohio State at this point, uh, to any top teams from any of those three conferences, they're they're still below them, which is why I I decided to rank them so low. But yes, uh, yeah, and 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 that's a valid point. I mean, and I think all these. These aren't like this is no. This is very clear cut model. where they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also not clear cut as far as like the distance between them, sure. like who's better and who's worse. But uh, I do think, uh, and I'm taking in consideration all the teams, right, mm-hmm. and, and kind of weighing sure. them in there. But I think, yeah, if you were to go with the top teams that are there, I don't think the Big Ten's top teams match up against the other conferences' top teams, other than maybe the Big Twelve. Right. Um, They're being buoyed by their their. <laughs> middle and bottom teams. But I think but I think the ACC is also not that great. I mean there's Clemson up there mm-hmm. and then the next best is what Miami? Yeah, I would say Clemson, Miami and then the next would be NC State/Louisville slash in the the next one. But I also think that Virginia Tech's not a bad team. Wake Forest has done pretty well for themselves. I, I don't know. I, I They're think They're just all okay. Yeah. They're just all like okay. So anyway, so but if you put like Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, you can't forget about Wisconsin or the Big Ten. Sure. That's a decent top four. Sure, that's a decent top four in comparison to the rest. Um, so I got Pac-12, then I got Big Ten, and then I have the ACC. Wow. Then the SEC. No kidding. And then the Big Twelve in the bottom. I thought that that I was putting the SEC. I don't know too low, but I mean when I well, looked and, at it, they're it's there's there's no reason you can really put them higher than three. Three is about as high as you could put them. Well, and as I'm looking at it, I, it, there's it's not like again there's this huge distance between them. But if you had to rank them and put numbers next to them, I got the SEC as a fourth out of the Big Five, which is very sad. I mean, like let's come back to like why that's important. I mean, SEC for a decade plus completely dominated college football. I mean, just utter domination, and now they've fallen to where. They're third or fourth out of the top five conferences. That's yeah. really bad. Based on our authoritative opinions, which, as I said, are completely fact-based. <laughs> completely uh, fact-based is why we disagree. So if uh, any of our listeners out there have uh, a difference of opinion and they'd like to send them in, we invite you to do so. We might even share some of your thoughts next week. Uh, but I think... For well, Jason, here, here's what I think we should do. I think we should tweet out uh, we'll have it on Twitter. We'll tweet out our rankings of the conferences. Um, your ranking, my ranking, and then let people just go at it. That sounds great. Let's do that. All right. We'll do that uh, sometime after this show posts. But now that we're done with this week's little bit of navel gazing, let's move on to our uh, week six game reviews. Are you ready? Yeah, buddy. Let's do it. So our only ranked team to rank team matchup this last weekend was Louisville ranked number 17 at the time. NC State ranked number 24. Louisville was a three and a half point favorite. They played on Thursday. So Louisville did not cover. They lost this game. (laughs) It was 39 to 25. NC State really came out strong, leading Louisville by a good margin. Louisville came back a little bit, but NC State put up a couple more touchdowns and, and that was it. What did you think of this game? You know, it it kind of showed me, I think, where NC State's at and where Louisville's at. Um, it wasn't like a big surprise. I think NC State 
It's just a better team. Yeah. So I think coming out of the game, my thought is Louisville as a team as a whole is not that good. They're not as good as I thought they were. And NC State is better than I thought they were. And so, I mean, Louisville really pretty much is Lamar Jackson. Right. And, and that's it. And you just can't be a good football team when you have one person like that because he's not quite Michael Vick. Like Michael Vick back in the day, he could carry an entire football team. He's insane. Yeah. But he's just not He's just not that. Um, they don't have a great defense. They don't have a lot of weapons around him. Yeah, I and feel so, like... And NC State's a solid football team. Yeah, I, clearly. Because... I mean, they beat uh, an admittedly down FSU, but they still beat them. I, I feel sorry for Lamar Jackson. I, I keep wishing he had a better team to support him uh, yeah. so that he could really shine. But uh, I don't have a whole lot more to say about that. We can talk about Clemson, ranked number two against Wake Forest, another ACC game. Clemson was a 21.5-point favorite. They didn't cover that, but they won uh, in a convincing fashion, I'd say. It was 28-14 at the end. Did you have a chance to check out any of this game? You know, I didn't, but the you know watching the score, it kind of made sense. I mean, Wake Forest is one of those teams where you just kind of don't want to play them because mm-hmm. everybody expects you to blow them out, but you're not going to, and it's going to look – the score is not going to look great, and nobody's going to watch the game. Sure. Um, but the big news – the big news coming out of that is, you know, the health of Kelly Bryant, quarterback at Clemson, sure. and how he's going to go in the future. So that's really the story coming out of there. It's a fine win, you know. Uh, it wasn't flashy, but it also wasn't like Clemson's terrible. So, um, yeah, I think it, it'll just be interesting moving forward to see how Kelly Bryant, their quarterback, is if he's healthy or not. Right. And we'll continue to keep that situation monitored. Next up, Alabama ranked number one against Texas A&M. Alabama was a 26.5-point favorite. The final score was Alabama 27, Texas A&M 19. So people gave Alabama a bit of a hard time for this game being as close as it was, which, truth be told, it was never really that close. Alabama was up 24-3 to at one point before Texas A&M started to put points on the board. Uh, it wasn't as out of hand as Alabama has made it for other teams recently, obviously, and Nick Saban kind of took issue with that criticism. Um, but I think it showed that Texas A&M has some fight in them. I, I don't think we could really call them a good team. As I said earlier, you know, so they're 4-2, and two, they have that loss to UCLA, they have this loss to Alabama, and again, yeah, struggled against Nicholas State, and took Arkansas, a not good team, into overtime, but uh, <laughs> as I said, they're also still fourth in the SEC, and they did, they did come back from being way down, uh, and I think if the game had gone on a good bit longer, the, the momentum really felt like it shifted, and even though it wasn't that close, you and I were I think feeling a little stressed out at the end. Yeah, I I, I, did, I didn't like it, and let me tell you why I was stressed out. Sex A&M, it started to have the feel of the sort of games that we lose, mm-hmm. where the kicking game goes wrong, you know, you miss a field goal, you have turnovers, and then you have a quarterback who just completely loses his mind and makes insane plays. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, so we had our first turnover of the season, turned into seven points, but it turned into seven points on two fourth down conversions. And one fourth down was just a blown cover as he got the first down. The other fourth down play was for the touchdown, and it was fourth and goal. I'm honestly, I'm not sure that that was actually a touchdown. I think his knee was out of bounds, which would have made it an incomplete pass, but they didn't even review it, which is wild. But see, he had to make crazy plays. And when you, if you go back and look at that touchdown after the turnover, the throw, Kellamond able to get out of the pocket, escape pressure, then the throw and the catch, it's just an insane play. And then the other uh, touchdown was set up by a crazy pass from Kellamond, again, avoiding pressure, getting out of, getting out of the pocket. And I, as I'm watching him throw the ball, the guy catches it on the one-yard line. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This just feels like Johnny Manziel from a few mm-hmm. years ago. And I just – I don't like it. I'm not liking what I'm seeing. We were up 24-3, to and what you expect is for us to put the you know the pedal down and we may just crush you and you win 66-3. And it didn't happen, right? We made mistakes. Uh, and then from those mistakes – Texas A&M, especially their quarterback, Kellen Mond, made some crazy plays to keep him in the game. Again, not really threatened, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but the game made me uncomfortable because like I started to have panic attacks like Johnny Menzel was playing for Texas A&M again, which is never a good thought to have. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't know how, Texas, how good Texas A&M really is. I think Alabama played a terrible, terrible game. And the other thing to worry about is Jalen Hurts is just not very good in the passing game. Sure. It was yeah. pretty atrocious. And that's on, right, so Texas a might be good, whatever. Alabama, I was concerned because of what Texas a was doing. The, it's kind of the ingredients that we need to lose, missing field goals, block punt for a safety, turnovers, and a quarterback losing his mind. But the other thing is on offense, Texas a had the 119th ranked pass defense coming into this game. Aye. And Jalen Hurts just looked terrible out there. And so I think that... I expected if you go back all the way to episode one, which I'm sure everybody remembers, mm-hmm. I thought Jalen Hurts would be better. I thought Brian David would help him. I thought getting the tight ends involved would be good for the passing game. But Jalen just hasn't developed. He doesn't go through his progressions well. He doesn't see – he sees the open receivers too late, and it just causes a bunch of problems. So if that doesn't get better, Alabama will lose a game this year. Do you think he's at any risk of losing his starting position? I- Maybe we haven't seen enough out of Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, I, I don't think he's at risk in losing his starting position. He has way too much poise. What he can do with his legs is insane. Mm-hmm. I think that I think it's his team. But it'd be interesting as the year goes on if Tua kind of if he develops. It'd be interesting to see if we go to a two quarterback system, okay. where Tua really can bring a spark to the passing game. Because um, we also have some really good young wide receivers um, okay. in. Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs III and Devontae. And so there's there's all these guys that are ready to come in. It'd be great to get him some more playing time when, when a game's actually meaningful, right? And not just when the game's decided. So it'll be really interesting to see how they handle it moving forward. But Jalen Hurst does not look good in the passing game. Right. All right. Uh, next up for our SEC matchups, we had number 12 ranked Auburn going against Ole Miss. Auburn was a 21-point favorite, and they won by 21 points. Uh, so, Auburn, it was a push. Uh, good good job, Auburn. You were exactly as good as Vegas thought you were. Did you watch any of this game? I mean, I didn't. This, it wasn't worth watching. Ole Miss, just isn't, Ole Miss isn't worth watching. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think I texted you at some point during this game and said, you know, I think what it was like thirty-five to three at some point yeah, in the first the half, in the I first think. half, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, here we go. Auburn's gonna try to beat the sixty-six to three mark, and if they did try, they utterly failed. But um, I think they probably just pulled off the gas and said, we have this in the in the bag. But yeah. yeah, it's a good. I think Auburn looks like a very much improved team. Ole Miss still looks abysmal. Uh, so I think Auburn, Auburn is going to be an interesting challenge at the end of the year. The Alabama Auburn game could be, uh, could be another classic. I I agree with you, and in hearing you describe how Alabama played against Texas A and M, it worries me for a matchup like that uh, because rivalries can be unpredictable. Speaking of which, Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan was a ten point favorite, and they lost fourteen to ten. Uh, it's so, so again. It's games like this uh, that do make me nervous. I feel like Michigan should have won this game. We've been talking all year about how we haven't been too impressed with Michigan. Basically, their whole 2016 team went to the NFL. Uh, but since Jim Harbaugh became the coach, they've had I don't know like two top five recruiting classes, and Michigan State went three and nine last year. So. I don't know what to make of all this. I don't think Michigan State's that great, but I think they came to play. And you said the the weather played into it a lot. Yeah, I don't I give think the- too much uh, importance on recruiting class because LSU insists on demonstrating that it doesn't really mean that much. Um, but, yeah, it's a rivalry game, and maybe it is just unpredictable. Yeah, I mean, uh, recru- recruiting matters, and then developing those recruits also matters. But... I think in this game it was basically because it's not just that it was bad weather; it was horrible weather, right. torrential downpour, and neither team could do anything after it started really pouring. And I, I think essentially what this game was about was who was going to have the lead early, and whoever had the lead when it started raining was going to win the football game. And so Michigan State had the fourteen ten lead, and 
that was pretty much all she wrote. I mean, it was sort of exciting to watch all the turnovers and crazy plays in the rain, but it was also like nobody's going to score. This just this isn't going to happen. And so I think the weather was pretty significant, but you're still losing when the rain happens. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't think Michigan's that great. I mean, it was John O'Corns, I think, maybe his second start mm-hmm. uh, at quarterback. And so they're in a little turnover. He needs to get some experience, all those sort of things. So Michigan right now looks pretty tough. You know, they're mm-hmm. not impressive. They have the talent to do a lot of great things, but they haven't really put it together yet. Uh, Michigan State, uh, they played well. I mean, they were able to run the ball and do some things against that defense. I really like their quarterback, uh, Michigan State. I think uh, he's going to be a good one. I think Michigan State's on the rise, so it'll be interesting to see what they do uh, the rest of the season. I don't think they're great, but I don't think they're terrible. All right. The headliner game of the entire weekend, of course, was the UAB-Louisiana Tech game. It was uh, a 4 p.m. game with no line and was not televised at all. UAB was not expected to win, although I don't know how I know that if there was no line. I think there was a line, but I think it was posted late. In any case, it was UAB's homecoming, and it was frankly amazing. I was sitting in uh, a a bar, and I couldn't watch the game on my phone because, as I said, it wasn't televised. So what I was doing was I was in my Yahoo Sports app just refreshing and refreshing and refreshing. And nice. there's that's, that's a true fan right there. I've been there so many times. So wonderful. <laughs> so there's like 40 seconds left, and Louisiana Tech gets possession of the ball, and the score is 23-22. And I see that they're at the point in the field where they're getting ready to kick a field goal. And basically, what I was able to ascertain from all of my refreshing was that they were going to run time out kick a field goal, win the game, 25-23. to 23. I kept refreshing, and at one point it said, Louisiana Tech, 25-23, to 23, and I was like, ah, oh, darn it, that's heartbreaking. Holy crap, are you serious? I am so serious. So ah, I, was, wow. I was, like, heartbroken, and I was like, but you know what? <laughs> they covered that stupid spread, they did really well, and I was still proud of them, and then, I don't know, maybe just on a whim or something, I refreshed again, the score went back to 23-22, and I thought that it was pulling up like an old refresh or something, but then I see blocked field goal, and I'm Whoa. like, what are you talking about? It it came out later, they, they posted it everywhere, it was all over Twitter, all over, well, I should say the UAB Twitter, all over uh, Instagram, so this player, Stacy Keeley, basically jumped up, and in the footage, I'll, I'll share it on our Twitter if I haven't already, jumped up, blocked the field goal, the ball gets punt, like hit back to the kicker, the kicker catches it and starts to run with it, Stacy Keeley runs around the outside and tackles him, so he blocks the punt and tackles him. The time runs out. It's over. UAB wins 23-22. to It was incredible. It's insane. It, it was insane. Uh, but, as I said, that was their homecoming. It was a big win for them. And they need to win one of the next two games. And then I think they have a really good, better than even money at, at making a bowl game. And, and that would be incredible this year for them. So, uh, we'll continue to watch UAB's progress. So, uh, next up, we didn't preview this game because we didn't think we had to. Oklahoma, yeah. ranked number three. Iowa State. I don't even know. I think Oklahoma was projected to win by like four touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I think the line was 30. Yeah. Okay. 30. <laughs> Which is why I probably saw it and I'm like, oh, we don't need to talk about this. Oklahoma's oh. a good team. So Iowa State wins this one 38 to 31. Lincoln Riley, who was a king mere weeks ago, has now lost to Iowa State at home. And I so- sort of hate it for him. Although it was a great win for Iowa State, and I really think they deserved it. I thought for most of the game, Baker Mayfield was doing what he could, but Iowa State, especially in the second half, was able to make big plays. They scored 21 unanswered points from late in the second through the third, and then 25 of their to- of their total, like, 38 points all happened in the second half. And, and they really had to win this through the air because they ran it, I think they had... 21 attempts and only got 81 yards, but their their quarterback, who should be noted 
I believe they said was a third string, completed 20 of 27 passes for 368 yards, uh, and after all of it was over, he planted the Iowa State flag on the OU logo uh, in the middle of the field, which, as you'll recall, was what Baker Mayfield did at Ohio State. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's classic. And then I think one of his teams is like, no, no, we don't do that. But I still thought it was funny. And that guy was like, oh, no, no, no. This is what we do. This is what we do. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it's shocking for so many different reasons. But, you know, I it's not just that they won, and it's the first time in decades that Iowa State's won uh, in Norman because Oklahoma was at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's embarrassing. Uh, it's not only that, but it's also – yeah, the team had their third-string quarterback in. I'm pretty sure if you look at the roster, he's like third-string quarterback slash linebacker. And this guy, this guy is shredding your defense for a comeback win against the guy who's supposed to be like a, a leading Heisman candidate, Baker yeah. Mayfield. Right? It just it should not happen. Um, and so this is just embarrassing, especially after you're up. It's not like. It was close, you know, like so the LSU Troy thing. LSU's not that great. Troy comes in, Troy goes up big, and then LSU's trying to catch up. It's like, dude, you had the lead, and you gave it up. Um, and so this is just—it's a pretty embarrassing win. And I'll, I'll go back to something that I've or a pretty embarrassing loss for Oklahoma, a great win for Iowa State and the Cyclones. You know, I'll go back to something I've said a couple times. One of the things about this college football season is teams just aren't playing with consistency. Mm-hmm. And usually what happens is you just play to your competition. So <laughs> Iowa, Iowa State's coming in. It's been decades since you lost them at home. You just kind of put it on cruise control. The problem is these teams can win. it. They have athletes on the other side, and if they show up and start making plays and they, they feel like they're up for an upset and you're in cruise control, then you could easily lose. I think we're seeing a lot of that. You know, USC seems like a team that plays up and down to their competition. Texas A&M might do the same thing. Um, you know, you barely you struggle against Nickel State and then show up and you know, push Alabama a little bit. And that's kind of the hallmark of a great team is you just play with consistency week in and week out. And that's part of, you know, what Saban calls the process is playing with consistency. And you just don't see a ton of that. And that's what, like, I, I look at college football and I'm like, there's just no great team this year. There's a lot of inconsistency. Yeah. So, this, But this is a pretty terrible loss. I mean, it really hurts their playoff hopes. Even if they win the Big 12, it's like, so that do they get to the playoff? Question. I don't know. Right. So has this completely doomed the Big 12's chance of having a team in the playoff? And I, I feel like it does. There were a lot of articles about this, and maybe they're slightly hyperbolic. But I don't know. You, you lose a game to... Iowa State, and we'll have to see what Iowa State does the rest of the year. But I mean, well, I think I think that's the thing, right? Is you got to look at what Ohio State does the rest of the year. Right now, they're three and two. Right, mm-hmm. record doesn't look terrible. They played Texas really close. Mm-hmm. They now beat OU. Next week they have Kansas, then Texas Tech. It'll be interesting to see what they do against TCU. Then mm-hmm. you know, week that is nine. They play TCU, West Virginia, Oklahoma State back to back to back. I think that that set of weeks, if they win two of those games or something like that, then this loss doesn't look that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, what we think about the Cyclones is this is really bad. You know, thirty point favorite and you lose. <laughs> it's not a good look, no matter what Iowa State does no. the rest of the season. It's so it'll be interesting to see how Iowa State does and we'll move forward. But. Um, you know, it's funny, I keep saying Iowa State, uh, and I, I try to make sure they don't say Ohio State. I was talking to my wife about this game. I was like, can you believe that Iowa State beat Oklahoma? She was like, I mean, that's not that terrible, right? I was like, no, 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 Iowa State's terrible. And I was like, not Ohio, Iowa. She was like, yeah, I know. And it took me several times before it could settle in that I was talking about Iowa State. She just thought I was saying Ohio State. And I think part of it is she, she even knows. Mm-hmm. Iowa State's terrible. That's just not. It's not a possibility right. in reality that Iowa State wins. So it's a it's a pretty shocking loss. Uh, but we'll see what they do. I agree. So there is kind of a conspiracy theory about this, mm. uh, and we really are all about just giving air to baseless conspiracy theories on this show. So 
There's this education rumor. and entertainment. Yeah. There's this rumor going around that Bob Stoops basically left Oklahoma because he didn't want to have to fire his brother Mike, who is apparently the defensive coordinator. And the theory, I guess, got some traction maybe again because of uh, the issues they had on defense this week. Um, but it seems ridiculous. Um, I mean, so so they did lose to Iowa State, but they actually did beat Ohio State, right? I mean, (laughs) it's like in Ohio State, we talk about them being down, but a down Ohio State team is not terrible. And they pretty much shut Ohio State down, right? So uh, (laughs) let's let's calm down a little bit. It's one bad game. It's not an entire season of being terrible. So, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. All right. Let's do, go through our quick picks. A couple of these I actually want to spend a little bit of time on, but one of them I don't really care to is the Notre Dame-UNC game. Uh, no. Notre Dame, a 14.5-point favorite. Final score was 33-10. to 10. Notre Dame's now 5-1, and one, meaning they have no chance of a worse record than last year, and up until this week I wasn't sure that would happen. So <laughs> good yeah. job, Notre Dame. Yeah, they look like they're getting stronger. I think they're going to end up being a pretty good football team. Yeah, yeah. well, I don't think they'll make it into the playoffs. but um, No. That's for sure. But, yeah, it, it will be a nice improvement over last year. Ohio State, uh, ranked number 10, playing Maryland, 30-and-a-half-point favorite. This was their homecoming game. Ohio State won 62-14. to 14. They stomped Maryland. I really, really wanted Maryland to be good, but uh, it wasn't even remotely the case. Next up, we have Miami, ranked number 13 against FSU, Miami, a three-point favorite. I had Florida State winning outright, and I really thought I was going to be correct. They basically had a really late touchdown. Miami rips this one away from FSU with six seconds left. This was painful to watch, actually, for a lot of reasons. So it was back and forth with nothing happening for the entire first half. And that might sound like an exaggeration, but can I read you, like, the the possession log. So here's what here's what happened in yes, the first half. Yes, you can. Okay. So here's the first half. Punt, 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 field goal. Punt, 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 interception, punt, end of first half. So after all of that it was three to zero. And FSU had the lead until about I don't know, halfway or a few minutes into the third when Miami got a field goal and then it kinda opened up a little bit. But they threw like back to back interception. I think I think FSU got the ball and then immediately on the very next play threw an interception and Miami got the ball, had it for a couple of minutes and threw an interception, which I thought was courteous. Okay. Like if you're going to get <laughs> the ball under really kind of unfair pretense. You you should you should give it back like that. So yes. they, um, they are they are known for their kindness. Yeah, Miami is a really courteous team. Yeah, just gentlemen. I think I saw a 30 for 30 about that. The the U. Um, So this is a pretty exciting game, not in the first half, but definitely the second half. And the the end of the game, however, was was amazing. It was an amazing pass, amazing catch to get into the end zone. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and... You know, I, I didn't quite see it going like that. I thought Miami would be a little bit more dominant, honestly, mm-hmm. just because Florida State just looks broken. But it was a, ended up being a, a really good, exciting end of the game. I think Florida State is going to continue to get better. And Miami looks like they have a chance. I mean, if they if they keep growing, they might be – they might contend. They might end up uh, contending for the ACC championship. We'll see. Let me ask you a question about Florida State because I've been wondering this. I, I guess I just – I'm used to Florida State being really good, and th- yes. the the expectation this year was that they would be good. And I guess the narrative that I've either heard or manufactured in my own mind is that once DeAndre Francois got injured, that's been the primary reason, or, or maybe even a sole reason, for uh, the struggles that they've had. But do you think just losing their starting quarterback like that really accounts for how they've performed since then? It, it can't account for all of it. Uh, I mean, I think there are a lot of factors. Uh, I'll go through ones I've talked about before, and then I'll add one that I haven't mentioned before. It's So you get up for a big game against Alabama. You're kind of in the game. You're there. 
Alabama ends up pulling away. So you lose that opening game. Then kind of the, it's it's not just a a player's gone, but it's also kind of heartbreaking. The game's already done. Like you're gonna lose, and then at the end of it, you lose your starting quarterback for the rest of the season. That was a potential Heisman candidate, mm-hmm. right? So I think just kind of like the emotional of like, holy crap, we lost this game, and we kind of lost the rest of our season. Then on top of that, I think the Hurricanes and mm-hmm. everything that not the Miami Hurricanes, but uh, Irma and all that kind sure. of stuff coming through really affected them. It also affected Miami, but that also affected them. So you know, defense, I think, was supposed to be better than, than what they've been. Of course, holding the team to zero points is pretty good in the first half. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the – so I've mentioned all that before, but I think the other thing you got to think about is the reason losing DeAndre Francois is so huge this year is last year you had Dalvin Cook. Right. Who was just an incredible running back. He goes to the NFL. The guy you got coming in behind him, Cam Akers, that, that they're seeing to be relying on as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you go from a senior, I think maybe he holds the, the record for yards rushing at Florida State, and you just watch him. The guy's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You can lean on him. It, games late, maybe you got a small lead. You can just hand the ball to Dalvin Cook. He's great in the passing game. He's durable. He's sturdy. He's, he's all those things. And you don't have that to rely on. So even if DeAndre Francois was a little off, you could just hand the ball off to, mm-hmm. to Dalvin Cook. So now you take your experienced quarterback out, and all of a sudden the two guys who are really running the offense, your quarterback and your running back, your backfield and the offense, they're inexperienced. They're not very good. And the ball goes through them every single play. And so it does, It really does, especially this year for Florida State, make a huge difference. If they had Dalvin Cook back there, mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't make that big of a difference. But they don't. Um, and so I think it really does make a difference, not only just physically, but also kind of mentally and emotionally for the team. DeAndre Francois is going to be the guy that you could lean on until some other guys matured. First game, he's gone. I think it does have a pretty huge effect. Yeah, Dalvin Cook, uh, I can see how they miss him. Um, he's actually on my fantasy football team, uh, but he got injured this week, so yeah, I, I miss him a little bit right now, too. Uh, next up, LSU to 21 ranked Florida. So Florida, when we previewed this, was a three-point favorite. So the line on this one actually flipped. LSU was favored by a point and a half right before the kickoff, and you and I were texting wondering what it was that Vegas knows. Uh, It doesn't matter. LSU still didn't cover because they really can't do anything right. But last week when we previewed the game, as I said, uh, Florida was a three-point favorite, and you adamantly said, Florida... You have to cover. We didn't even want to to speculate on what would happen or what world we would be living in if they didn't. But they didn't, and I'm wondering kind of what this means. I mean, it means Troy now has a transitive win over Florida, but... I think it means Troy might be like the fourth or fifth best team in the SEC is basically what it means. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, I... I mean, when you when you look at this, and the reason I wanted Florida to win, it's just embarrassing for the SEC. Uh, LSU loses at home to Troy and then goes to Florida and beats them in the Swamp. I mean, the Swamp used to be a place where people were afraid to go. It was, you know, a hostile environment. I mean, you just could not win there, sort of like LSU used to be at home at night until they lose to Troy. And now it's just like Vanderbilt can go in there and compete with Florida. You know, and where we're texting, like, maybe Vandy's going to challenge Georgia in the East. But they just looked that good because they were playing Florida. And it's like, that shouldn't be the case. And so it's taking me a while for it to sink in. Florida really is just not good. Mm-mm. That's just, it, like, you know, when, when I'm growing up in elementary school, middle school, watching Florida and Alabama continually battle it out for these SEC championships time and time again, and now to look at Florida and be like, Florida, you're really just not good. And they haven't been good for a while. It's like, are you going to come back? I mean, they've won the East, but I just don't think the East has been very good. They're just really not that good. And that's that's hard to kind of handle. And, I mean, LSU won by a point because Florida missed an extra point, Jason. Like they should have tied the game up. They just shanked the extra point. It's like, good Lord, you're actually trying to lose to a team that just lost to Troy. Just make make the most basic play in college football and make an extra point. And uh, so, it, I mean, it's, it's really, really rough. On the other hand, 
You know, maybe LSU is getting better. No, I just I can't no, even entertain the thought. Just Florida, Florida is just that bad. Which That's is all there's really great news because you know who plays Florida in a couple weeks? UAB. Not dude, UAB could give them a run for their money. I'm telling you, Florida does not have their quarterback situation is terrible. No, some of that's due to, to injury and stuff like that. So we don't want to. I'm looking forward to point, it. But I'm pretty sure that game will be televised. It could actually be an interesting game. Which is absurd. Next up, we have Wisconsin number nine playing against Nebraska. Wisconsin was a 12-point favorite. They won this game 38-17. to I don't have a whole lot to say. Wisconsin is kind of cruising here. They didn't have a difficult schedule, uh, is what everybody said going into this season, and, you know, they've performed as expected. Uh, I think they have Michigan in, like, three or four weeks. But here's the thing. But So, you know, we, we can say the same thing about Washington as yep. we do Wisconsin, right? Like, not very good schedules. But at the same time, Part of what it means to be a good team is you win the games that you're supposed to. Uh, I think Oklahoma would have liked to. You know what I mean? Like, so Oklahoma beats Ohio State. Who cares? Like, you did. You're not winning the games that you're supposed to, and that's a sign again of a, of a great team. And so, hey, kudos to Wisconsin. They don't have anything to get up for, but they do. They get up and they win their football games. So they should be ranked up there. Same thing for Washington. Now, we'll see what they can do against better competition. But for now, that's where they are. Speaking of not better competition, Washington played Cal <laughs> this weekend. They were 27.5 point favorites, and they won by 31 points. So the final score in this game was 38-7. to We'll talk a little bit more about this later, but only a little bit. Um, the only thing that I can really think when I see Cal is they beat Ole Miss. Yeah, well. Lord, Ole Miss is terrible. Uh, week 7 preview. It's going to be a whole day of team sports and beer get the old heart rate up maybe pound a cheeseburger in the sun throw some butter on it you're gonna love it we have an exciting slate of games headlined by the 330 cbs game lsu auburn auburn is a a, a, get this mark a six and a half point favorite over lsu do you believe this line Auburn, I'm telling you the same thing. <laughs> just cover. You have to cover. Like otherwise, you just yeah. The SEC is taken really hard, and I think Auburn will. I I think um, Auburn's defense is too good to allow LSU to to do anything. Um, and I think their offense is starting to come along. Carryon Johnson's getting hot. Stidham's starting to figure out what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And as usual, Auburn's going to be at their peak when they play Alabama at the end of the year, which is sad but true. Um, and so I think Auburn covers easily. easily. I, think it'll be, I think it'll be like the Mississippi State LSU game, 37-7, something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, they are playing at LSU, granted, but so did Troy. And six and a half points, I just, I don't buy it. We, we've seen LSU, and Auburn's light years better than them. So I'm saying, yeah, 38-14. I'll say LSU might be able to put up 14. Next up, let's talk about Alabama-Arkansas. seven fifteen game on ESPN. Alabama's a 30-point favorite here. So I told you earlier, I think, this season, that I went to this game a few years back, and it was 52-0. to And Arkansas, I think, went 3-9 and that year. I don't think they're that bad this year, but only just slightly. They've already got three losses, and they haven't even played Auburn or Alabama, so I'd be surprised if they even made a bowl this year. All that's to say that uh, I know it's a 30-point spread, but I'm inclined to believe this one uh, more more so than I have in the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to say Alabama 52-10. to 10. Yeah, I think it'll be something like that. Uh, I'll go 52-3 to 3, Alabama. I think... Uh... I think Alabama will come out wanting to show that the Texas A&M game was a fluke, that they just didn't play well, um, and they'll come out trying to prove something. I mean, they're the number one team in the country, but they're still going to try to come out and prove something that they deserve that ranking. So I think this will get pretty bad. All righty. Uh, next up, we'll go to the Pac-12. We have 13th-ranked USC going against Utah, who's not ranked, but they're 4-1 and one right now. USC... Uh, a 13-point favorite here, playing 8 p.m. on ABC. Um, so, yeah, as I said, Utah 4-1. and one. When did Utah get off the struggle bus? 
Um, they played a close game against a de decent Stanford. They don't have any other... Well, they don't have any notable wins, truthfully. But they're still 4-1. Um, I don't think there's any chance they beat USC, in my opinion. But I actually like the spread. So I'm going to say uh, it's USC 34-21. to 21. Yeah, I, I think USC will beat the spread despite a couple of Sam Darnold interceptions slash football recovery for touchdowns, whatever. It's a, it's a USC um, tradition unlike any other. I'll say 35-10. to 10. Uh, Utah really hasn't played very stiff competition. Sure. Um, and again, it's one of those things that I think they played down to BYU, which is why we thought mm -hmm. they were terrible. BYU is abysmal. Um, but uh, they can be a really good football team, but they lost at home, and Playing at Utah is pretty hard, but Stanford won. Stanford's just okay. You know, I, I picked them to win the Pac-12 North. They're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, USC really handed it to Stanford. I think they'll be USC will be up for this game to win 35-10, something like that. All righty. Next up, we have Washington State, number eight, going against Cal. So they have Washington, Washington State in back-to-back -back weeks, and that's kind of why we're talking about this. So they're actually playing Friday at 10.30 on ESPN. Washington State is a 13.5-point favorite. I've decided that Washington State is kind of my West Coast uh, Pac-12 team. I like Washington, too, but I'm more of a cat person than a dog person, so go Cougs. Nice. Um, the neat thing about this game is that since Cal played Washington last week and beat them 38-7, to we can maybe use this as a barometer to see who's playing better. Maybe. I don't know. I have a feeling it's Washington, but it could be close. Um, I, I, I still think that Washington State runs away with this game. So I'm going to say 48-13. to Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, I think Washington State covers pretty easily. I don't think 13.5 is enough. Um I think Washington State's good, and it's it's good. I don't know if you've been watching game day, but old Crimson, the flag for Washington State. Yeah, uh, they just made their two hundredth appearance. Two hundredth appearance, so it's the year of the it's the year of the Cougars, man. And uh, they may go they may go all the way. They may go all the way to the playoffs. I think the Apple Cup between Washington and Washington State will pretty much determine. Will definitely determine the Pac twelve North, but it might be what determines the Pac twelve. Mm. So. It'll be interesting to see it unfold. I'm, I'm cheering on the Cougars. Yeah, go Cougs. All right, next up, Wisconsin number seven going against Purdue. This is a 3.30 game on Saturday in the Big Ten Network. Purdue is respectable. They're not great. Wisconsin's, as I said, number seven. I think Wisconsin wins this 42-7. to I think this is going to be closer. Um, really? Purdue has the offense if they're clicking to really keep up and i think 16 and a half is a lot mm -hmm. i think wisconsin wins but i think purdue beats the spread so i'm gonna go uh, wisconsin wisconsin not that close mark uh, i don't know 42 to 34 something like that all right that could be an exciting game I wonder if I get the Big Ten Network. Next up, we have Oklahoma, who is now ranked number 12, going against Texas in what is, I think, called the Red River Rivalry. Mm -hmm. um, 3.30 p.m. on ESPN. Oklahoma is a 7.5-point favorite. I didn't even put a score down for this game. I, I don't know what to make of it. I'm, I'm lost on Oklahoma, and I have no idea what the heck Texas is doing. Well, it's, this is a really interesting game. It's a very interesting game. I looked at this. I'm, I'm going to say, Bo, I, I don't quite know what to do. I'm going to go Texas wins outright. Are you um, serious? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going out on a limb here. I think Texas is in an upward trajectory. I think they're getting better. They, they've been up for this game uh, the past several years. You know, they've taken it from a better Oklahoma team in the past. Oklahoma's come off a pretty terrible loss, which could be a wake-up call, but it could also be – uh, hard to recover from that in a week with Texas ahead of them. So I think I'm, I'm going to pick Texas to win this. Okay. What's your score? I have I have no idea. I'm going with I'm going with my gut here though. I like the Longhorns. All right. I I guess I'll give you a score. Um, we'll go 31-28 Texas. Okay. I'm looking forward to that one. So uh, 
a few quick picks here. Uh, one of them is going to be UAB Middle Tennessee State University. Middle Tennessee State University is favored by four. UAB wins it by, I don't know, 400. Um, I think you and I talked about it beforehand. We're in agreement, 400. Sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ohio State is playing Nebraska at 730 on Fox Sports 1. Ohio State is a 24-point favorite. You think they cover? Oh, man, after what they did to Maryland, I don't think Nebraska is that terrible, but I'll say yes, they yeah, cover. I agree. I think they cover. Clemson's going against Syracuse, Clemson number two. This is actually a Friday game uh, because I guess we're in high school now or something. I don't know what's up with these Friday <laughs> games. Um, it's 7 p.m. on ESPN. Clemson is a 22.5 point favorite. At this point, I'm mostly willing to get if Clemson. Uh, any spread that Vegas throws at them. So I think that they do cover. I think the interesting part about this is if Kelly Bryant plays or not. I think Clemson wins. Um, Syracuse isn't great. Maybe with or without Kelly Bryant, they'll cover. So, yeah, I'll say they cover. All right. FSU is playing Duke at noon on Saturday on ESPN2. FSU a seven-point favorite. I think they cover. Uh, Duke is probably better than just when you say the name Duke, what you think of. But, <laughs> uh, um, so if Florida State doesn't show up ready to play, this could be a tough game. But uh, I think they're looking for a win, um, and I think they're getting better each week. I say they win, and I say they cover. All right. Miami, number 11, going against Georgia Tech, 3.30 p.m. on ABC. Miami projected to win by seven. I think this game was postponed. This is one of the ones that was impacted by the hurricane, uh, or one of the hurricanes. So uh, Miami by seven against Georgia Tech. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think Miami will cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're good. The next one, uh, the matchup everybody's been waiting for. <laughs> Ole Miss Vandy, three. Holy crap! Ole Miss is favored by three. By three points. Dude, I don't I'm, ta- I'm it taking at all. Vandy. I'm yeah, taking Vandy. Give me Vandy. Give me the points. I, I don't. I don't see it. Yeah, come on, go doors. <laughs> okay. Next up, Dude, I, I had not seen that till right now. That's that's kind of absurd. Of it, course, now Ole Miss probably wins by thirty. But come on, doors. And we will not know what to make of Vandy. Anchor down. Um. All right, next up, South Carolina is playing Tennessee, and Tennessee is favored by two and a half points. Uh, this is, is going to be a really interesting matchup. <laughs> um, interesting in some yeah. ways, sure. I'll grant you that. Uh, yeah, just to see who wants to lose the game more. Um, come on, false. Let's just let's do this. Tennessee <laughs> covers. Tennessee covers. Tennessee covers. I'm taking South Carolina to win outright. Thanks. Uh, uh, but let's before we sign off for the night, let's let's play our favorite game, which okay. is, uh, <laughs> will Butch Jones have a job next week? <laughs> if they lose to South Carolina, ooh, um, you know what? I think Butch Jones has a job through the Alabama game at least. If Alabama wins sixty-six to three, then he doesn't have a job anymore. That's uh, next weekend. Yeah. No, wait. The weekend after. That's yeah. Yeah. So, I think he has a job, but I don't think he should. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He can't lose this game. Well, really, he can't lose any games at this point. Um, he He's not going to have a job at the end of the season. We know that much. So, it is uh, what's the over-under I mean, on how many games he makes at. Jason, they lost to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to and they lost to Florida in a just like a way that you it should be impossible to lose. Right. They lost to Florida, who lost to LSU, who <laughs> lost to Troy. So. Oh yeah, Troy would it, the line for Troy Tennessee would be Troy by seventeen and a half. <laughs> easily, easily. <laughs> that's right. terrible. I'm on sorry, Tennessee. Note, on that note, uh, that's the end of our show today. Mark, you got anything else you want to review preview? Oh, just, uh, I'm sorry, Tennessee. I shouldn't have said that. All right. I'm not going to apologize, Tennessee. I have nothing to apologize for. So, again, you can find us on iTunes, 
and Google Play. And please, please, please go and give us a five-star ranking. It really helps uh, as far as people getting exposure to the show, which I know you all say every week you just want desperately for millions and millions more people to listen to the show, uh, just like you are. I am not going to give a hashtag this week, um, mm. but feel free to tweet at us and show your love and appreciation. We could desperately use it. That's it for me, Mark. That's it for me. I think instead of a hashtag, we'll post our conference rankings and yeah, have people do that. All have right. people attack us on, on that note. I'm sure people will not be happy about my rankings, but bring it on. We will catch you next week on Processing College Football. Adios. Adios.